Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're wrapping up our Earth Walk here, folks. But we're going through the Gospel of Luke, and here's what's happening. We're at that last section where Jesus has risen from the dead. The ladies have seen him. But the guys, the disciples, they don't know yet. They're, they're kind of wrestling with that. And so what's going to happen now is is that Jesus is going to appear to them. We're going to see that reaction, and we're going to see his explanation of why all this had to take place. Why he had to go to the cross, and what that means for you and I. Because here's the thing, folks. You and I are going to have to come to a place of understanding. You and I are going to have to come to a decision place to really decide what are we going to do with Jesus. Is he just a figure from history? Is he just someone that your grandmama told you about or your mama told you about and that's what you need to believe? Or is it something personal to you? Is he is he somebody who's real and alive to you and I? That's where all of us have to come to. Because here's the thing. You have to personally own it. You just can't assume it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to personally own your faith. You have to personally make your decision about who he is and make a commitment to follow him. And that's reality. That's where this all is going to. That's what's happening here with this message, this gospel, that John is bringing us to as the place of understanding who he is and you making a decision about it. Because here's the thing. Just because you got raised in a home that was Christian, just because you went to church all of your life, doesn't mean you got it. What do you mean, George? What do you mean it doesn't mean I got it? Well, if you go over to the Gospel of Matthew, the seventh chapter, Jesus said this. In that day, many will come and say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? Did we not cast out demons and do great things in your name? And here's what Jesus will say to them. He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. These people actually thought they knew him. They did things for him. They were involved. And then when it comes to the reality of standing before him in the judgment, he's going to say to them, who are you? I don't even know who you are. I don't know you. See, this is why it's so important for you and I to wrestle with and come to a place of dealing with the reality of Jesus and making our decision about him. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this last section, see what we're confronted with, and come to a decision about Christ, hopefully, in your life. Let's look. First of all, verse 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, 
have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding, that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send a promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with power on high. And he led him out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass that while he blessed them, that he parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So here, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide this passage up into two sections. We're going to see, first of all, his appearance, some things we need to grasp about that, and then second of all, his explanation. First of all, let's look at his appearance. Here's what happens. They're in a room, probably closed up. They're, if you have to remind yourselves, they're fearful. Why? They're followers of Jesus. Their leader has been crucified. They're probably marked men. So they're probably in a room somewhere just hiding. And then in the midst of it, in a room where the doors are closed, probably locked, there comes Jesus. First thing I want you to see there is Jesus appears in their midst. I don't know how he does it, but he does. He's God. He can do anything. He appears right in their midst, in the midst of them. Then I want you to notice now how they respond, what Luke records about their reaction. Because it's, I mean, you think about it for a moment. You and I would be like, oh, wow, Jesus appeared. But you got to remember now, they don't know that he's alive. They've only heard reports that his body is missing, that the angel said he's alive. The last thing they're expecting in a closed room is for somebody to appear in their midst. How are you going to react? Look at how they react. Look with me at verse 37. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. What did they do? Here's how you would say it. Here's how we would say it in Kerwinsville. They were freaked out and thought he was a ghost. They were freaked out. Natural reaction, when something happens that you don't expect, totally freaked out, there he is in their midst, and the first assumption is, I'm seeing a ghost. I'm seeing a ghost. Because in their mind, what? He's dead. He's dead. They saw him crucified. They saw him beaten. They saw him buried. But here's what Jesus does. Notice something now. He doesn't. This is amazing how God is, isn't he? God comes to them, appears in their midst. They're all freaked out. They think he's a ghost. Jesus doesn't say, hey, guys, snap out of it. Hey, guys, what's the matter with you? It's me. He doesn't do that. He doesn't belittle them. He understands them. So what does he do? Look at with me at verse 38. Look at what he does there. Then he said to them, why are you troubled? Hey, guys, what's the problem? Why do doubts arise in your heart? Why are you doubting? Then he says, look what he says. Behold my hands and my feet. Handle me. 
touch me. What's he doing here? He presents his wounds to them. He wants them to see, it's me. You can touch me. I'm not a ghost. It's me. It's me, Jesus, physical Jesus, the Jesus who's been with you for three years. The Jesus who slept with you. The Jesus who fed you. The Jesus who healed you. Jesus who was among you. It's me. And, and just so you know it's me, look at my, look at my wounds. It's me, the guy who died. It's physically me. But I want you to see, here's the reaction. And this is, I think, a good thing for you and I to understand. Because sometimes we struggle, but I want you to look at what they do. They still struggled with belief. Think about that for a moment. He appears in the room. They're freaked out. Jesus says, hey, calm down. It's me. Handle me. You can see it's me. Even though they can handle him and touch him, the scripture very clearly says, even though there's joy, they still struggled with belief. Now you say, George, why, why is that so important for you and I to grasp? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of us have seen Jesus today? Hopefully you're saying no. Uh, if you have seen Jesus, we'll talk later. But most of us have not seen Jesus. We, by faith, believe in Jesus. Because blessed is he who believes without seeing is what Jesus said to Thomas, right? So we, have, we believe without seeing. But here's the natural course of humanity. I can almost guarantee you even the strongest committed believer here struggles with what? Doubts. We still struggle sometimes with what? Unbelief. What am I trying to say here? It's normal. Because you'll beat up on yourself. You'll say, well, you know, man, I'm just really having a hard time struggling with whether or not to know if he's real in my life right now, if he's real for me right now. I must not be a good enough Christian. Folks, these folks physically saw him and touched him, and the passage tells us they struggled with what? Belief. It's okay. It's normal. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's normal. Especially, it especially happens when everything breaks loose in your life. Do you know what I'm talking about? When everything breaks loose in your life and all you can turn to is God to get you out of it or take care of it, sometimes we struggle with believing whether or not what he can or whether or not he's real. I'm trying to say to you, doubts are a part of our life. It's what you do with it that's the issue. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's what you do with it that's the issue. It's whether you wrestle through with it and come to the other place. In fact, how many of you have read the Psalms lately? What do you mean? When I read the Psalms, I, the typical Psalm is like this. God, my enemies are around me. They're ready to kill me. Where are you, God? You've abandoned me. But he always ends up by the end of the Psalm, what? Coming back and praising God. The Psalms are known as laments. Do you know what a lament is? How many of you spilled gravy on the floor this week at Turkey and you lamented the gravy that was spilled? Oh, I spilled my gravy. That's a lament. Here's what's going on. Jesus is patient with them because he wants them to grow in their faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? So here's what he does. To help them to grow, he wants them to understand. So he gives an explanation. Look at what the explanation is. Look with me at verse 44. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things might be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning you. 
What's he do here? First thing he does is he reminds him of his word. What do you mean, what word, George? Well, throughout the Gospel of Luke, whenever Jesus taught, he would always refer to the fact, ultimately, especially when they were heading to Jerusalem, that he was going to go to Jerusalem, that he was going to be what? Delivered up over to evil men, that they would crucify him, and that he would die, and that, but yet he would what? Rise again. Several times. In fact, he told that to the crowd, to the multitudes. Remember, that was one of the accusations against him, is that he would strike down the temple and in three days build it up. They misunderstood what he said. He was actually talking about strike this temple, his body down, and what? In three days he would rise again. What's he doing here? He's reminding them, guys, everything that took place, what's happening now, me dying, me rising from the dead, I told you all about it before it would happen. Nothing happened here that I didn't tell you about. It's just that you were blind to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's the thing. You've got to understand this. When it comes to the things of God in your heart and in your life, what are you blinding your eyes to that God's trying to tell you? See, they were blind to it. Here's the other thing that he tells them. It happened in order to fulfill prophecy. Prophecy. Now, what, what's prophecy? First of all, prophecy is not a prediction. Let me just go ahead and say that. It's not like the weatherman making a prediction. You know, the weatherman, it's either a 50-50 chance he's either right or he's wrong. It's not a prediction. Prophecy is a statement of what God is going to do. Prophecy is truth. It is a statement of what God is going to do, period. And Jesus said that his going to the cross, his dying on the cross, he said, I spoke these words to you, and they were all in fulfillment of what? The law of Moses, the law of the prophets, and what? The Psalms. Basically what he's saying, all of the Old Testament pointed to the reality of what? My going to the cross, dying, and being raised from the dead. It was all in fulfillment of the prophecies, of the truth of what God said would happen. Look with me. Look at what he says here. Verse 46. Thus it was, it is written. And thus it was, look at that word, underline this word, necessary. So what had to happen was necessary. Necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. What's going on? He had to die for repentance and forgiveness. You know, I understand that forgiveness part, George, but what do you mean by he had to die for repentance? What's repentance? Well, repentance is, to be honest with you, if I put it in our everyday vernacular, it's a changing of our mind concerning our sin. It's a changing of our minds concerning our sin. Now, Jesus had to go to the cross and die for our repentance and our forgiveness. Now, it's easy for us to grasp the forgiveness because we're like, oh, yeah, I understand that he had to be the sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be forgiven of my sin. It's easy for us to grasp that one. But when we talk about Jesus dying for my repentance, huh, I don't understand that one. George explained that one to me. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you to understand. Do you understand? You're being able to change your mind about the sin in your life is not an ability that you have. Do you understand that? 
The scripture very clearly tells us in the New Testament that it is God who grants us repentance. It is God who gives us an understanding concerning the junk in our life and the reality that we need to change it, and he gives us the ability to say no to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, where that ability came from and that ability to make the decision to repent, to change our mind about the stuff in our life came from, is because Jesus died on the cross for us. Did you understand what I'm saying? When I understand what he did for me, the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to then say, you know what, I need to make a change here. I need it. I need to not just. I mean, it's easy for us to grasp forgiveness, right? We really love forgiveness, but when it comes to changing our mind about the stuff in our life, that's even harder, though, isn't it? Did you know what I mean? That's even harder. Where does that come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit giving you that ability. It's, it's it comes from the Holy Spirit giving you the strength to do that, because in and of yourself, you couldn't do that on your own. Do you understand what I'm saying? You couldn't do that. Let me help you just a little bit here. The best illustration I have for it is addictions. Usually we can understand somebody, let's say they have a smoking habit. Maybe let's say they have a drinking habit. Maybe their addiction is food. And all of us, if you're in those habits, we struggle with the issue of knowing that we're not doing right. What happens then is, is that when it comes to the issue of forgiveness, we, we, that, that satisfies something within us to know that what? God forgives me. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you like that? God forgives us. Hopefully everybody here likes that. Okay. But here's the thing. How many of you have ever, if you, how many of you, especially with some, whatever it is in your life, find yourself doing it again? And doing it again? And doing it again. And doing it again. Do you know what I'm saying? You have that ability that even though you want to stop, you keep what? Doing it again. And and some of us are like, like Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I, who, who, who can deliver me from this body of sin, he says in Romans chapter 7. Who can free me from this body that just keeps wants to doing this wrong thing over and over again? Anybody understand the struggle? Okay, we understand the struggle, all right? The ability to change our mind, the repentance that's needed, comes from God. It's a gift from him. And when he died, he gave you the ability to what? To say no. Romans chapter 6. To no longer yield our members, he says in Romans chapter 6, to unrighteousness. See, Jesus is saying, I had to come to die for you in order that, that you would not just be forgiven, but that you would have the ability now to say no to the junk in your life. Isn't that awesome? That's even better than forgiveness, isn't it? It's it's the opportunity to now be granted repentance and change your mind and turn away from the stuff that ensnares us. Do you understand? You didn't have that ability before. You didn't. He says, I come for your forgiveness, but also for your repentance. That's so wonderful, folks. 
That's so awesome. But here's the sad thing. Can I be honest with you? Most people are only living in the forgiveness. Do you hear what I said? Most people, as far as their concept of Christianity and their concept of Jesus and the reality of Jesus in their lives on an everyday basis, are only living in, well, I'm forgiven. And they keep on doing what they're doing. But I'm going to be honest with you, there's no assurance there. There's no, there's no assurance there because, you know what, just living on forgiveness, that's not a free blank check to go do whatever you want to do. He also grants you what? Repentance, the ability to change your mind, to change who you are, to say no to that. I'm no longer going to do that. With your strength, Jesus, I'm going to stop that. That's what he's doing here. That's what he's doing there. And he says one thing further, and this is where we've got to make that decision. He says we are his witnesses. Do you understand, it, it's not my job to go around and tell everybody in Kerwinsville, Clearfield County, about Jesus. That's not my job. Well, I thought that's what we hired you for, George. No, you hired me to be a pastor. A pastor equips you to go do the ministry. All of us, it's our job. But you're only going to fulfill that job of telling others about Jesus if Jesus is real to you. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's only going to be fulfilled and you're only going to be ready to share with others about your Jesus if Jesus is real to you. Now, I'm going to explain something to you. If Jesus is all it is is just a concept of forgiveness in your life, you're not going to share much. Did you hear me? If, if all you can do is just share about Jesus being an, an issue of forgiveness, you're not going to you're not going to share much because that's not really going to have a big impact on you. But if you grasp the reality that Jesus is the one who grants you repentance, the ability to change, and you allow Him to change you, and He becomes real to you because He changes you. You will share with others. You will talk to others about him. Because it's only going to come naturally out of your life. When you see what he's doing in your life, has done, and what he continues to do in your life, you're going to share with others. But if all your concept of Jesus is, oh, he just forgives you, free ticket to heaven, woo! Hey, you know, the reality is most people I meet don't think about dying. Do you know what I mean? They're thinking about hunting season, something else dying. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? They're, you know, so if we are his witnesses, what does that mean? We are the ones who give testimony that he's alive and that he has power in our lives. But that's a God who changes us. Not just a God who forgives us. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you know, the, really the reality is, is you've got to ask yourself, are you, are you settling for just forgiveness or are you wanting to change? 
Are you settling for just forgiveness or are you wanting to change? So you say, okay, George, how do we wrap this up? Where do we go? Well, I'm going to ask a few questions that we've been asking ourselves over the last few weeks as we've been wrapping up this thing. And this is just going to settle it, wrap it up. We're going to be done with Luke after this. How do we wrap this up? Where do we go with this? Jesus' explanation, his appearance here. Well, what's your reaction to Jesus? You're going to have to think on that one. Hey, if you're sitting in the stand tomorrow, waiting for it to come by, you got to think on something, don't you? Usually it's me sitting there thinking about all i got to do at the office. Okay? And praying, God, bring that deer by so I can get that done and go back to the office. Okay? But you're, you're going to sit there and you're going to think about something. So here, here's a good question to think about you. What, what's, what's your reaction to Jesus? Is he who he says he is? Have you considered what he said he would do to you? For you? Not just forgive you, but change you? What's your reaction to it? Maybe you're here and your reaction is, is, you know, that's great, George, but I really couldn't care less. That's fine. you got a reaction. Think about your reaction. Second question is, is where's your reaction driving you? Where's it driving you? If you understand who he is, it's going to take you somewhere in your life. Does that, does that mean you're going to get serious about the stuff in your life that you need to deal with and have Jesus help you deal with that stuff? Does that mean that maybe the reaction is going to drive you to maybe you maybe need to share with others about what Jesus is doing in your life? That reaction is going to drive you somewhere. Maybe you're here, and but you're here and you're like, well, you know, I don't really care. Well, that's going to drive you somewhere as well. It's either going to drive you towards God or away from him. Where's the reaction driving you? That's reality. So then here's what you got to do. Here's your action point. Here's what you got to do. Make a decision to seek Jesus in your life and act on it. And that key, key phrase there at the end, act on it. Underline that. Put a star by it. you got to more than just make a decision to follow him. you got to act on that. You've got to move beyond just the forgiveness thing and allow him to change you. And believe me, he will. You know, I think, can I be honest with you, the reason why we struggle in prayer? Because prayers have struggled. Have you noticed that? If you haven't noticed that, you probably weren't praying much. But prayer's a struggle. And I'm going to tell you why prayer is a struggle for us. Because a lot of times, he's talking to us about what needs to change in our lives, and we don't want to do it. You know what I mean? He brings to mind issues that need to be dealt with. We don't want to deal with. But you see, here's the thing. If I am believing that he is who he is and that he grants me the ability to change, not just forgive me, and I make that decision to follow him and give my life to him, I'm going to have to act on it and do what he's telling me to do. Do you know what I'm saying? I've got to do something with it. And so really that's what you're going to need to do here. You're going to need to, to contemplate who he is, what he wants to do in your life, and make a decision. He either is who he is or you're going to follow him and do what he tells you to do, or you're just going to float along, and that's a decision in itself, isn't it? Something to think about. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.